This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What is up, all of my beautiful, amazing people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. I am coming to you for the second week from the beautiful island of Hawaii, and I am so excited for today's episode because we are bringing on our second character from Eat, Pray, FML. I cannot wait for you guys to meet her, so sit back, grab a cocktail, and here the fuck we go. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten a chapter six yet? <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. So before I bring on Miss, uh, you guys know her as Mallory, but um, her real name is Melanie, from Barcelona, and before I bring her on to do this interview that we had so much freaking fun recording, um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what the hell has been going on in my world. So if you're with me on Instagram, you know that I have been writing away at this second book. And it's been a fucking gnarly experience, you guys. Um, I wrote Eat, Pray, FML in three months flat, and it just poured out of me, and it was, you know, an easy experience, all things considered, when you talk about writing a book. This second book (laughs) is not the same. Um, So I always said I wasn't going to put pressure on myself to... uh, to finish it or to write it in a certain amount of time, but I've been writing it for a little over a year now. And, you know, on and off, you know, I would take months uh, at a time to where I wasn't writing and then I would write a lot some some months. And I'm in the final home stretch. Uh, I can confidently say that I will be coming home from this trip with an official first draft to start with my editor, which is wild. But it's been a really intense process for me. Um, Not only has it been ripping open some really old wounds um, and deep diving back into relationships that were painful for me that I'm no longer, you know, in that same hurt from, um, but it also has been a little scary for me, you know, because I'm very happy in my life right now, in my relationship right now, and I protect that happiness really fiercely. It's important to me. And there are things that I have to write about in this book to, you know, be truthful and be authentic. And I feel like I have a responsibility to my readers 
to really, you know, as I did with the first one, put everything out there um, in the the way that it happened and not sugarcoat any of it and not hold any of it back. And some of those things are painful for not only me, but for the people that are in my life and the people that are going to read about it. And it's really hard. It's hard not only to feel shitty about some of the choices and decisions you've made in your life, but then to also, you know, feel hurt and sadness around the fact that you know it's going to affect other people that you love and you would never want to feel hurt or sadness. And something really interesting happened to me the the past couple nights that I want to talk about. So I went and rented my own little Airbnb here on the island for three nights um, to kind of give Tay some daddy-daughter time. And I had found this spot that was like, reminded me of Thailand. It was like this Zen haven. And I just, I saw it on Airbnb and I was like, I have to go fucking right there. Like it's a, it's a must. So I dove into the last big chunk I'm working on. Um, and it's a chunk of time that isn't as recent um, and that I haven't really thought about in a long time. It's kind of like the middle portion of the book. And I started going through old conversations and digging in my emails and finding all of the screenshots I sent myself because I knew there was no way I would fucking remember what was actually being said. And as I sat there reading through some of these conversations with with certain people, certain individuals, um, I had an entirely different experience reading it now as opposed to when I was having the conversation at that time. So not only has it been a, a couple years, obviously, time-wise, but it's also I'm in a completely different space in my life. I've, I've healed. So many things have happened with that person and, you know, with different people. And it really jolted me for a moment because I was reading it with this new healed and peaceful and confident perspective now that I'm removed from the situation. And I was sitting there reading it and I, I almost got a, I, no, not almost, I got angry. Because I was like, holy shit, man, this is not fucking okay. Like, none of this was okay. And it really triggered me in a way to, to know that I was not only in that situation, but I was allowing all of it to happen. And I know that my girlfriends on the outside, we talked about this briefly on the love bombing episode, all of my girlfriends on the outside were like, Hello, Gabrielle. Um, can we come back to reality? Like if this situation was reversed and you were looking in on us in in a dynamic like this, you'd be like, bitch, what are you doing? Get it together and get the fuck out. Like not cool. Um, but again, when you're in it and you're submersed in it and it's it's consuming you, it's almost like you have these fucked up goggles on that are not allowing you to see what is so clearly not okay. So anyways, I'm sitting in my Airbnb and I'm reading through these messages and I'm like, 
fuck, man. Like, of no wonder this particular situation took me so long to get through. Because it was like any time I would take four or five steps forward, these types of conversations would slowly reel me back two or three steps. And it kept me in this mental limbo for so long. And it really made me stop and think as I was writing because I was like, fuck, you know, I don't I don't want to feel anger in general, period, but I don't want to feel anger towards this person. Um, I'm thankful for the experience and I know that it all played out the way that it was supposed to because like, look where I'm sitting right now talking to you. But I had to honor the fact that I was feeling angry and I was like, this is fucking not okay. So I end up writing this chapter and I I like wanted to throw shit across the room because it was just so frustrating. Not only was I frustrated at the individual I was having the conversation with for being like, how did you not see that this was kind of fucked up of you? But I was frustrated with myself for for allowing it to go on for so long, for not choosing myself and seeing my worth and my value and demanding that. And I think that's so important. Um, I get a lot of DMs and questions about, you know, I'm in this relationship and like, how do I make him do this? Or, you know, we're really struggling with this and I just wish he would A, B, and C. And it's like, guys, you should only have to say what you need once. Like the big things, like the really big non-negotiable things that are, you know, your worth and your value and your your needs and your love language, you should only have to say those once. If they're doing the bare fucking minimum just to keep the door open, just to keep you as a possibility and just to keep you on that line, it's not fucking okay. If you're not with someone that is showing up for you day in and day out and proving to you that they want to be in your lives, it, it's, not, it's not right. It's not the right fit. It's not what you deserve. It's not going to work in a long run situation. My relationship now has showed me how subpar every other relationship I've been in has been in the past. And I feel so lucky to experience that because I would never now settle for anything less than that because I know it exists, because I know I deserve it, and because I see that people are capable of giving you not only everything you want, but really, truly showing up for you on a soul level and being like, I know your triggers. I'm not going to fuck with them. I know what makes you happy and I'm going to give that to you. And bottom line for, for my girls that are dealing with, and men, for, my, for anyone who's dealing with the, oh, you know, he left me on red or he doesn't call me back or, you know, I, I don't really know if he wants to be with me and you're like trying to read into their text messages like you're a fucking detective. If he wanted to be with you, he would be there. I posted this video with this audio that hit me 
in the fucking face. And of course, like it, I saw it right when I was writing this chapter and dealing with all these unwanted emotions that were coming up. And I want to repeat the audio in it to you guys because it is so fucking important. And if someone would have shook me and like put this audio in my face, you know, a couple years ago, I think I would have probably made some different decisions. So I want to share that with you guys now. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash fmltalk50 and use code fmltalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code fmltalk50 at factormeals.com slash fmltalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. He may love you. He probably does. He probably thinks about you all the time. But that isn't what matters. What matters is what he's doing about it. And what he's doing about it is nothing. And if he's doing nothing, you most certainly shouldn't do anything. You deserve someone who goes out of their way to make it obvious that they want you in your life. Straightforward, healthy love. So on this hump day of a Wednesday after this frickin' new moon, and I don't know if y'all were feeling the effects like I was, but it was a fucking doozy. I want you to take that with you. Don't fucking settle. And remember that you are beyond worth it. With that being said, without further ado, I am so fucking excited for you guys to meet Miss Melanie. Um, You first met her as Mallory in Barcelona. Um, She is such a fucking gem. We had so much fun reminiscing and recording this episode. So uh, let's, uh, let's hop on a plane and take a trip back to Barcelona, shall we? I'm so excited because we have one of the, quote, characters from the book, which I know people are so excited to hear from, and I'm so excited that she's here, and I get to see her beautiful face. Um, This is technically Mallory from Eat, Pray, FML, but her real-life name is Melanie, and welcome to FML Talk, girl! Thanks so much for having me. I cannot believe that this is a thing now. This is incredible. I know. It's, it's really wild because you and I randomly met on a solo trip, which you do a lot of. And lo and behold, a couple of years later, you're like a character in a book. And that must be <laughs> It is surreal, to be honest. <laughs> but it is 
feel like when you read it for the first time? Oh, you know, I mean, half of it was really exciting to like relive our adventure through Barcelona. You know, I'm sh part of it was definitely a little cringy, you know, the shenanigans that we got into, but it's a really nice little uh, keepsake now. <laughs> it's, it's like a cool memory that, that we all kind of have now. And I remember when, I mean, I was really open with people when I was traveling and I was like, look, this is what I'm going through. This is my story. And I'm writing a book about it. So if we're hanging out, you're probably going to be in it. <laughs> The funny thing is, I don't even know if you remember, like we met, you know, your first night, we all went out and then you and I went out to brunch the next day to like a super brunch. No, but you didn't even tell me about the book then. We had a whole brunch and we bonded and you were like, I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm going to do this. And then later that evening, we were with Jacob and Chris and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, I didn't tell you. Uh, this crazy shit happened to me, and I'm writing a book about it. <laughs> well, that's a testament to the fact that we were having a legitimate girls' brunch and, like, really yeah. bonded. Because I remember when we sat down to that brunch, you were telling me about, like, why you were even on this trip, and I was so happy to meet someone that was my age because I felt like all of the people at the hostels that I was meeting was, like, 23, 22, 24, and I was like, God, I'm a fucking grandma. <laughs> um, right there with you. It's definitely hard to hostel hop across Europe in the summer and <laughs> not feel ancient. <laughs> yeah, cool, dude. Okay, so let's like take a trip down memory lane to start this episode off properly. You and I met in Barcelona. I'll never forget. It was the first night that I was going out with the hostel group. So if you guys don't know hostels or haven't traveled to them, a lot of them do family dinners and then they'll take you bar hopping and do like group, you know, bonding things and excursions and whatnot. So we had all had a family dinner and I had met Chris and Jacob. Uh, and then when we were walking to the first uh, bar, I bumped into you and you were this bright, bubbly, like light. And I was like, oh, oh, I like this energy. And <laughs> you immediately told me your age and where you were from. And I was like, nice. I'm like, this is a good situation. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I remember, you know, I had already been in that hostel a couple days and it already had turned over. It seemed like the whole hostel was brand new, but instantly from that night, it was like this, we all hit it off. And then we formed this squad this you know crew essentially that we just like literally were inseparable for days it totally it was incredible. and it was so much fun we went out that first night we ended up at some they call them bars but they're really not they're like clubs um yeah. and we all ended up you know a couple maybe more than a couple drinks in dancing in the middle <laughs> of the dance floor and it was like we rolled back into the hostel at like 6 a.m. At least I did that night. I don't know about anybody else. I think every night. I mean, I know you hardly slept the entire time, but like, you know, most nights at least I'd get back at five or six and sleep half the day and then like try to rally on. But I don't know how you did it. We're like, you and I were like not, not the youngins on the trip. And everyone that's oh, no. right now that's older is like, you guys are so stupid. You're very young. I get it. But like, we were not sleeping. It was really, it no. was a lot. <laughs> it's so funny too, because I would never say that like in the States, I'm a big club person, more of like a beer garden or like a nice yeah. cocktail kind of vibe. And when I was there, I was going to all these clubs and posting all these Instagrams and my sister called me and she was just like, are you a club person now? And I was like, no, I'm just Euro trash. Come on. Oh, I, love, I love it. I love it. And okay. And your sister who we have to yeah. give a shout out to, um, <laughs> So I was on my TikTok one day and this video pops up of someone mentioning me in their video. So I go and watch it and someone was duetting me 
with um, my audio of like telling my story and I'm watching this video and this beautiful little blonde girl is like looking back at me and she's like, uh, the, the words on the screen are like, and then you went to Barcelona and met my sister. I'm Mallory's sister. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so fucking cool and so full circle. She's adorable. Dude. Yeah, she's 23 and such a fangirl and found my copy of your book and like could not put it down and it spent an entire day making that TikTok. So I'm sure she'll be really jazzed that you just brought her up. And I, it's, it's so, it must be really weird for her too to read about her sister as a character in a book. Sure, I'm sure. If anything, I'm sure she's jealous and she wants her own Euro trip, you well, know? <laughs> one day, one day everyone needs their own Euro trip. So yeah. we end up coming home from the club that night, then was Brunch and Cake, that amazing mm -hmm. little hole-in-the-wall restaurant that Chris had recommended we go to, and it was so worth it. I'll never forget, like, the cook behind the open-air kitchen, like, <sighs> dancing to reggae and stuff, and it was so, just like the whole ambiance, it put LA restaurants to shame. <laughs> And the food was gorgeous. Like, it wasn't just good. It was beautifully, you know, styled. And yeah, it was like art. Art on yeah. point. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then that night, we went to the soccer game, which you weren't originally going to go to. No, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I, I definitely tried to keep somewhat of a tight budget, you know, in my travels. And it wasn't really on my radar. But you were kind of like, oh, this is something I've always wanted to do. And I was like, when in Rome, you know, <laughs> why the fuck not? And that night ended up being incredible, like so fun. The energy of being in that stadium is something I'll never forget. And we didn't know it because we were just like, oh my God, let's go to a soccer game in Barcelona. <laughs> it was one of the top games. Like I get messages all the time um, and DMs from guys and they're like, oh my God, do you know what game you were at? Like, <laughs> do you know that you got to watch the best player, Fessy, score six goals and how lucky you are? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I wouldn't say I'm like the biggest sports fan, but like I like beer and I like to cheer are my general rules. And I was actually shocked that like alcohol is not allowed in the stadiums there, but I guess it's because the fans get too wild, but it was really cool to be a part of that. It was amazing. And I remember that we had bought our tickets separate from Chris and Jacob. So right. we were sitting in a totally different section. And then we were like, well, there's not that many people here. Let's, let's sneak on down. And we ended up you know, linking up with them and then scooting up even more so we could get it like as close <laughs> as we possibly could. Well, yeah, because we went up to like the edge of that level. And we're like, we're just going to take a picture. And then like, there were so many empty seats. We're like, might as well sit down. <laughs> like, okay. It was amazing. That was definitely like a highlight for me in Barcelona and of the whole trip. Like it was just the energy of it was so freaking cool. Um, and then we, the last two nights, I think were very much the same of going out and wild partying with the Torontos who came in kind of on the end of the two days and like jumped right into our group. But we were rolling to dinner with like 20 people. We had like a oh my gosh. crew. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It started like, I feel like five to seven people. And then somehow we had like a crew of like 20 to 30 people deep. Like it just was, are you coming out? You're coming out. We're all going. Like you better come. Like let's go. You know? yeah, it was like a total community thing. And it was so nice to feel yeah. that because not every hostel is like that. Sometimes you're like kind of bouncing yeah. around doing your own thing. Maybe there's like a couple people that you'll go see stuff with, but this was a massive group of people. Um, so tell me, before we met in Barcelona, you had like a whole before and after on this trip. So tell me um, what, what prompted you to take this grand Europe trip and where did you go along the way? 
Yeah. So I had been living in San Francisco working for a tech startup that actually went under and I went through like a mid twenties existential crisis of like, is this what I want to do with my life? And what do I want to do? And like kind of came to this conclusion until I really figured it out that like life is short and I'm young and I should travel. So I saved up a bunch of money and planned a three month backpacking trip across Europe um, with the end goal of moving to Australia. I had signed up for the working holiday visa. So I ended up doing um, three months in Europe a year in Australia and three months in Southeast Asia for a year and a half consecutively, which was a wild adventure and I miss it every single day. <laughs> but before I'd gotten to Barcelona, um, you know, I started in Israel, I hopped to Greece, I went pretty much all the way north from there, uh, you know, Croatia, Italy, Slovenia, Czechia, Hungary, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, and then Spain. So I had already gone like a good chunk of the way, I would say, met tons of people, traveled with friends, traveled with family, did a lot of solo traveling, but um, I totally agree with you that Barcelona crew was like none other, and I wasn't even planning on staying in Barcelona that long, but just was having such a great time that I was like, ah, okay, I'll stay. <laughs> talk to anyone from that group? You know, here and there, um, you know, I've got people like um, Rhonda or, um, you know, every now and then like Chris or, or Jacob will comment on an Instagram or yeah. people reaching out for, um, you know, travel wrecks or, or anything like that. Yeah, you're the go-to person to get travel <laughs> advice from. When I was planning my Asia trip, you were a godsend to me. <laughs> Rhonda actually came to my book release party and she showed up with a book and was like, dude, this is fucking wild. And we both kind of just looked at each other like, holy shit, this is, this is so weird. And the fact that she lives literally 15 minutes away from me in LA and we meet each other in Barcelona <laughs> across the world. And here we are. <laughs> the world is so small. It really is. <laughs> where, where did you go to after Barcelona? Or was that when you went to Australia? No, no, no. So from Barcelona, I hit, um, a couple more cities in Spain. So I did Valencia, uh, Granada, and Sevilla. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Portugal. Um, and from Portugal, I flew to Australia. And actually, it was um, Carly that we met um, in the hostel in Barcelona that really, really helped me. And she was definitely pivotal in my life um, because I was like, okay, I'm going to move to a new country. I don't know the slang. I don't know the neighborhoods. I don't know, like, you know, they do rent by week there instead of by month. You know, all these, like, little nitty-gritty things. And she really sat me down and was just like, okay, this is what you need to know. These are the neighborhoods that are posh. These are the neighborhoods that are cool. Like, and really got me situated um and you know definitely made my life a lot easier when I got there you looked so great to Australia from Europe or did you go home to kind of like gather stuff? no I I booked the cheapest possible flight which was Portugal to London to Abu Dhabi to Melbourne oh, it was God, insane girl. <laughs> but I made it and after that I can travel anywhere you know right. you're like I can I can handle anything now was that like a total yeah culture shock to move to a different country for a year? Yeah, um, you know, I would say everything there is same, same, but different. Um, I didn't expect it. You know, it's a commonwealth. It's got very deep British roots. So there were a lot of things that were shocking in that kind of way. But Melbourne's a really young, hip city. Um, I had a great time and, and half the fun was like really immersing myself in their culture. So I was able to kind of travel in a way while staying put um, and make some more money after burning through most of my uh, savings in Europe and, and was able to travel again after that. So and yeah, I had a really you, experience. Where did you travel to 
like when you were in Australia, you did like little trips and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I, I lived in Melbourne, so I mostly stayed kind of in the southern bit of the country. So, uh, you know, big road trip out to the Great Ocean Road and saw the Twelve Apostles, uh, went up to Sydney and Byron Bay. I also traveled to New Zealand, did a big road trip around the Southern Island, which was amazing. Oh, I didn't make it to Tasmania, but that's still on my list. So I got to go back. Um, and if I could do it again, I definitely would go to Perth and, and a little more. I've heard here. great things about Perth. A lot of the people that I've met in Southeast Asia were like, Perth, Perth's where you should go. Like a yeah, big- the funny thing is though, like, you know, Australia's about the same size as America. Like, Perth is equivalent to California compared to Florida, right? That's where I would say I was. Um, but more Australians have been all around the world than they've been to Perth. Oh, how funny. <laughs> like, it's, I guess it's pretty expensive, and they're like, oh, I, I already live here, like, might as well, you know, go somewhere else, and right. I, mean, I met Australians in every country that I went to, like, they get around, you know, and they're yeah. always having a good yeah. time. <laughs> I feel like you meet so many Australians and New Zealanders in hostels, like, those are the two, and from the Netherlands, I met a lot of people from the Netherlands. <laughs> so many Dutchies, that's right, yeah. <laughs> but that's the amazing thing about, you know, their culture is, like, they are on an island, you know, on the other side of the world, and they really encourage their young people to get out and see the world and experience different things and I wish America was more like that (laughs) which I wish I would have had more of in my younger years and didn't get started so damn late (laughs) so after after you were living in Australia then you went straight to to Southeast Asia or did you go home after that nope I did like by home I'm gone (laughs) (laughs) well I was I just felt like you know if I went home, I'd probably get stuck there. And like, I had the momentum. So like, might as well keep it up. And, and it's a long way, you know, it's, it was a five hour flight to jump from Australia to Bali. So I might as well do that. Then another, you know, 20 hours home. So, so so, yeah. Take me through your Southeast Asia trip. Okay, so I went to Bali, um, which, you know, I would say is like their version of Mexico, like everyone goes to Bali from Australia. And you know, it's very, very relaxing, as you know from your own experience, Bali's a magical place. Um, So Bali to Malaysia, Malaysia to Northern Thailand, um, where I did Chiang Mai, Pai, and actually stayed in a cave lodge up by the border of Myanmar, which was insane. Um, Yeah, then um, met some friends in the Philippines and went back to Thailand to do island hopping and then went to Vietnam for six weeks. Oh my God, like literally a dream. And then when you left San Francisco, was your plan just your Europe trip and then Australia? Did you know you were going to do Asia after? Yeah, you know, I really packed up my life. I wasn't planning on going back to San Francisco no matter how long I was kind of going to be abroad. Um, And I didn't have any expectations of how long I'd be away. I just knew that like I could travel around Europe and have a great time. And then the way to extend it would be to go to Australia. And so I had that set up already. And then once I got there, I was like, well, this is great. How do I keep going? And the visa in Australia is only a year. So I got kicked out of the country. So I'm like, okay, like let's go more, you know? And honestly, you know, I did teach English for a bit in Vietnam, which is pretty lucrative as a native English speaker. Um, you know, part of me is like, well, should I have stayed longer there or should I have moved to another country and done a different working holiday visa? But, you know, all in all, year and a half is pretty great. And, you know, I'm so thankful for my experience, especially right now, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I did it when I did it and not a second later, because who knew yeah. that this 
would be a thing. And I'm glad that I did it without any global pandemics or like major catastrophes. So. Sure. I know so many people that like have their trips canceled or cut short. And like, I so feel for them. I got my Asia trip in just in time. Um, exactly. I went in November, December of 2019. And, uh, and again, you helped me so much on that. And I, I was fighting myself because it's in my nature to want to like over plan and book everything and be like, let's research a bunch. And all I did was talk to you because I knew you had done an extensive trip there. And I talked a lot to Chris because I knew he had done a, a trip there as well. And I got kind of like the, you should probably go to these places in Vietnam. And that was it. And I booked my ticket there and that was all that I had. And it was so good that I did that because I ended up being in Vietnam for a week when I was supposed to be there for two weeks. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna go to Thailand and got on a plane, went to Thailand, probably had the most magical week and a half of my life in Thailand before I went over to Bali. And it was just a testament to how solo travel can be so freeing when you don't have like people weighing you down or traveling with you or other, you know, commitments, you can just really pick up and go. And it's so freeing. Absolutely. And I love it. And I feel like because in the States we get so little time off and, you know, it's not really part of our culture, you know, people do feel the need to like plan everything. So they only have a week to actually go seven places, you know, and when you are traveling by yourself, you have that flexibility. You don't have to compromise with someone else and you can really trust your gut. If you love a place, stay longer. Like I did in Barcelona. If you're not feeling it, find a new place to go. You don't have to stay like, absolutely. See more. Totally. So do you, out of Asia, what was your like happy place? Vietnam, hands down. I mean, I spent the most time there. It is intense. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, they, the culture is so full and rich. The food is incredible. I mean, half the reason I travel is for food. Like I would love to be Anthony Bourdain and travel the world and get paid to do it, but I haven't figured out how to be lucrative with that yet. Um, but you know, I taught English there. I went all up and down the country. I also ended up on some weird excursions that I had no plans, but I met someone in a hostel that was like, let's go on the back of the motorbike. So these locals and they'll take us all around like, okay, why not? Um, yeah, that is definitely my happy place. And even though I was there six weeks, I definitely would go back and there's a lot more to see. favorite place in Vietnam? Uh, yeah, probably Hanoi. That's where I spent the most amount of time. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of like the hub where people stay and then they'll do like day or kind of weekend trips off of that. Exactly. There's so much insane nature nearby. There's Halong Bay, there's Nimbin, there's Sapa, the mountains in the north. And yeah. Nimbin was one of my favorites. I don't know if I've ever been to a place that was more beautiful than Nimbin. It is so magical and just like misty and moody and green. Yes. And yes. And you Gorgeous. went to Thai, which is like my happy place. That's my, my Asia happy place. I want to go back to Thailand for a month and do a week in Pai and then island hop for the, the rest of the time. But I mean, that place gave my heart so much peace. And I, I, I always say that when you do big trips, your heart kind of, you leave your heart in one place. And for Europe, it was Barcelona for me. And for Asia, it was Pai. And I could live there. I literally could live there. It's so funny because I've met travelers all over them talked about, oh, where'd you go here? Where'd you go there? Oh, you went to pie. And people call it the pie hole. Yeah. Like you literally get sucked in. Like it has an energy about it. I can't explain it any other way. Like it is a really cool place. It is. And it's like cafes that make you feel like you're in the secret garden and everybody's just in hippie pants and like doesn't care <laughs> and is like super warm and open. And it just like 
there's something about it that just makes you feel peaceful and at ease and like you're safe to heal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I really Mm -hmm. did some major healing work there on myself and it was like, I can't go back. I'm so glad. Um, Okay. I'm going to do a a travel speed round with you. Okay. I feel bad for doing this to you because I'm notoriously really bad at them. Anytime I do an interview and people ask me some questions, I'm like, I don't fucking know. Um, But I have faith in you. It's going to be great. Okay. Favorite country that you visited? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can just pick, it doesn't have to be like top, 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 just like one of your favorites. Okay, let's say Vietnam. Okay. Uh, favorite food that you've had while traveling? Uh, I'm a sucker for noodles. Any kind of noodles, doesn't matter the country. It could be Italy, could be Thailand. Oh, noodles. I love it. So like pasta or got it. Yeah. Pasta of every culture. Yeah. Any <laughs> type of noodle. We're noodle enthusiasts. I'm yeah, like, that's kind of a cheat answer, but <laughs> that's a great answer. Hard um, one yeah. place you haven't been but you can't wait to go. Uh, South America, I really want to go to Machu Picchu um, in Peru, and I haven't done, I haven't been south at all, like, I haven't even been to Mexico, so. <laughs> yeah, really, I, so. Oh, but I want to definitely do South America, um, maybe yeah. that's the next place that our paths will, will cross. Oh, that would be world. amazing. I mean, I need to see you before that, but, like, on our next oh, sure. travel adventure. <laughs> Although, um, my boyfriend is definitely not stoked about me going to a South America, because he knows I have a, a Latin problem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to be on our best behavior. <laughs> um, okay, best hostel that you've stayed at? Um, Pars Taylor is definitely up there. Cocoon in Hanoi, definitely up there. I'd say between those two. Nice. Yeah, Cocoon, I remember you telling me about it was down the street from the hostel that I was staying at in Hanoi. What was special yeah. about it? Um, they just had these like very nesty little beds. And like you said, um, Hanoi was such a hub, um, for people doing day trips coming and going. And I had about two weeks that I was teaching, teaching English. So I was really staying put and I kind of just became like the mayor of the hostel. Like I would go out and come home at night and sit out front on the front step and like the bars would start closing and people come home and be like, where'd you go tonight? What'd you do? Oh, you've been gone for a couple days. Hey, how's it going? And like, was just my most outgoing self and like loved it there. And everyone knew me. I love it. Um, do you have a word? worst hostel experience oh my god a worst hostel experience actually i will say that the hostel i stayed in in pi was pretty terrible yeah it was it was a fairly new hostel but the beds were like literally metal not metal but like wooden doors that you were sleeping on no it wasn't really well kept and there was this one girl in our room and probably it was just this experience that was really it but there was blood dripped all over the floor and she was in her bed whimpering and we were finally like are you okay? Like, what's going on? Turns out she had gotten in a motorbike accident because some stray dog, like, ran in front of her motorbike, and, like, she, like, fucked up her arm, and she didn't want to take care of it because, like, she was going home in a couple days, and, like, literally, with, and it was just, like, the whole place was just a mess like this, and we are just like, oh, fuck. Do we have to stay here? <laughs> oh, my God, why didn't she change hostels? I don't remember at the time, honestly. I I think she left shortly after, but it was just, yeah, the whole place was just, it had a weird, pie was great, but like that place specifically had a weird pie. I remember, I loved my hostel and I'm going to blank again, the (laughs) fucking name of it. Um, It was like magical. It was kind of like far, it was farther removed. It wasn't like super in town. Um, 
-hmm. And it, we had this like amazing um, view of like fields and fields and fields and mountains. And we would do yoga out there in the morning. It was just like, ah, oh, my happy place. Sounds idyllic. Well, I fucked up. I need to get some, share some recs with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. The one thing I've ever like learned before you. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Always> stop. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So I'll let you choose. Do you want to do your biggest travel FML story or your biggest relationship FML story? Well, I feel like the story that I need to share is the story that you talked about in your book, which I wasn't too excited to read about because it was a little cringy for me. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, I'm sure your avid fans and readers remember, but just a little recap. Um, on one of the first nights that we went out with the whole hostel, I made out with a gay guy. <laughs> okay, who, by the way, was really hot, so <laughs> let's preface with that. <laughs> Um, I also did not know he was gay and, <laughs> you know, we had gone out to, you know, we definitely had some sort of sangria with dinner and we had gone out to some sort of weird bar that gave us like bucket drinks before we ever went oh, to this club. Yeah. Um, and so we were, you know, we were a crew, we were having a good time and I, the two Canadian, French Canadian guys showed up late and joined on and one of them, I immediately was like, oh, he's cute. Like, you know, chatting with him, yeah. we went to the club, we danced, we did a whole thing. Fast forward, I wake up in the hostel not feeling so hot, and there are all these girls in my room that were in the bathroom talking shit, so-and-so did this, so-and-so made out with so-and-so, and I walk in, and they're, like, talking, and they're like, yeah, well, how was your night? And I was like, yeah, like, we had a great time, and he's like, they were like, yeah, you made out with so-and-so, and I was like, I did? Like, what? Oh, my God. And then they're like, yeah, and he's gay, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're like, I'm well, over for this information right now, can you let great. me coffee first. <laughs> yeah. And then it gets crazier because like later, I don't know if it was that day or the next day we went to that crazy, it was like a German bar, but they had like oh, big yeah. Gatorade pitchers with wine in them almost. And we were, it was called, La, oh God, I'm going to butcher it. La Bella Negra. Like, yes. Yes. Into the black sheep. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it just felt like a German beer bar, but we were drinking wine yeah. in a massive jug. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, he came up to me, I don't know, waiting for a drink or something. And he was like, Hey, and I was like, hi. And he was like, we made out. And I was like, yeah, I learned. <laughs> and, um, he's like, I'm gay. And I was like, yeah, I heard that too. And he's like, okay, cool. So we're cool. And I'm like, yeah, we're cool. And then like went back to the table and all those girls from my hostel were still just like looking at me and whispering and talking shit. And I was like really upset. And I remember like running into the bathroom oh with you and Rhonda and you like totally gave me a pep talk because I was like, I did a drunk thing. I don't know what you want from me. Like, <laughs> I fully remember that. And then I, I, Rhonda and I were so pissed because we were like, that's so high school. Why are these girls even giving a shit? And then me being drunk, I remember turning around and being like, I'm going to go defend my friend. This is it. <laughs> and went over and said something like snarky to them and was just like icing them out of the group the rest of the night, which was a total bitch move. But I was drunk and like, they no, were it's a good friend move. I appreciate <laughs> right, it. <laughs> And then, so we went to the club after that, which was my favorite club, which was Razzmatazz. Razzmatazz, right. So we went to the club after that, and we were dancing. I don't know if that was the night that they were playing, like, Avril Lavigne, and, oh, yes. yeah, we were singing, and we were having a great time. And then that guy came up to me again and started to, like, dance near me and then try to, like, dance on me. And I'm kind of like, this is weird. And then I realized there was a guy, like, 
hovering next to him, kind of watching him, like trying to dance with him, but then he was trying to dance with me and basically got the vibe that like he was trying to use me as his buffer to like, instead of saying no to this guy that was coming on to him, he's like, oh, I'm just going to go dance on her, which maybe is how we made out in the first place. And I was oblivious and didn't even know, but I was like, what the fuck, dude, you can't just use me like that. And the whole hostel's talking about me. Like, Okay, it is about that time we are going to hop into your FML stories. Hey, Gabrielle, my name's Katie, and I would like to share with you my FML story. Okay, I was 17 at the time, and I was dating this guy who was cheating on me and telling me it wasn't true, even though I knew it was because he was very open about sleeping with other people. Well, he was dating another girl at the same time he was dating me, and I decided I was going to break up with him. I was tired of his disrespect, so I broke up with him on Valentine's Day. Shortly after, I found out I was fucking pregnant, which was a surprise because I'm very safe with sex. Anyways, um, his bimbo of a girlfriend messaged me and had the audacity to ask me if I was pregnant, which of course I am. Like, I'm not going to hide it. Then she continued to say that her and sperm fuck are going to be the parents of my kid. Not even asking, just we're the parents like you're too young and immature. Um, 
it was none of her goddamn business and I knew that. So I decided to delete all social media platforms, block every number connected to them, and live my life being a fucking badass single mother. It has now been four years and he has maybe seen my son three or four times. Uh, the government is garnishing his wages because that's how the government fucking is. I am happily married and my husband loves my son like his own. That is my FML story and thank you for listening. Oh my god, the fucking audacity of the other girl to even put out the notion that she would be the mother of your child that was literally in your stomach. I, I cannot even imagine what that must have felt like um, and what kind of people think that that is okay in any fucking world. Um, and and kudos to you, girl, for making through it, staying strong, and and for finding someone who values you and and loves you and your son like it's his own kid. Um, blessings in disguise because you have a beautiful little baby boy. And um, keep rocking it, girl. Good for you. Hello, Gabrielle. This is Cindy, and here is my FML story. Since I was 15 years old, I was always second choice to every guy I liked over the years. Friends with him, but never more. The final straw came in the summer of 2012. I reconnected with an old middle school friend. He had told me he had always had a crush on me and that he had just left his girlfriend. He was my Javier, my hot and heavy romance. That eventually became the biggest mistake of my life. My suspicions were correct. A month later, in a private Facebook message from his girlfriend, she had told me he was cheating on her with me. I continued seeing him for another few months despite that in hopes that he would finally choose me. I told him I loved him at the end of the year, only for him to dump me, leaving me in devastating heartbreak. After a period of much-needed healing, I met the love of my life, Mr. E, through mutual friends. We have been together for the last seven years, counting eight this coming April. He has always made me feel loved, secure, and very much desired, and he has always made sure every single day that I am never fucking second. I love it. Cheers to Mr. E, girl. Um, but I want to touch on something you said because I think that so many of us go through this, and that's waiting and accepting things that we know aren't okay because either A, we think we can change them, or B, we are hoping they will eventually choose us. And let me tell you, <laughs> the only way you're ever going to change someone, I mean truly change someone, is by really demanding what you want and then walking away if they can't give it to you. Um, it's, I, especially when I was growing up, my whole younger dating years, we're dating these broken, um, you know, men that I, boys, I mean, that I needed to fix. And it was a pattern for me. And it wasn't until I got older and realized that it wasn't my job to fix them. Guys, like, you have to 
clean up your own side of the street and your own fucking trauma before you bring someone else into the picture because that's when the catastrophes take place um and as far as you know there's i there i hear so many stories of people saying i was just waiting for him to choose me and hoping that he would eventually choose me and like hello did you read my story with javier like that that was essentially what was going on but like hello i should never be standing here waiting for someone to choose me you should be running and jumping through hoops at the chance to have me and if you had me like really had me and you fucking lost me i mean there's damn sure no way that there there should be any waiting for you to choose me after that it's it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode in knowing your worth and not just knowing it but demanding it like this is the hard line you either fucking raise yourself up to meet the bar or we're not even going further and it's it's really about that internal self-love and self-respect and and knowing that you're not going to settle for anything less than that. And if that means being alone for a little while, fucking be alone. You know? It's not until we raise our own vibrations and our cup is filled on the inside and we are stoked on fucking life just with ourselves that we're going to attract that other person that's going to add to that and and match all of the things that we feel about ourselves and that we want to give to someone else. And that's when the real fucking magical relationships happen. Next week, you guys, it's been a minute since we've done a solo episode. And I've been getting a bunch of DMs about different topics that y'all want to hear. So next week, we are going to dive into a solo episode that is all centered around abandonment, fear of abandonment, how to get through that, how it manifests in your life. Um, I have some really great insight that I want to share with you guys, some great stories, and uh, we're going to we're gonna dig into a solo episode, just you and me. Until then, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. As always, make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram at FML Talk for all the fun behind the scenes goodies. If you are posting pictures in your merch, hashtag FML Talk and FML Talk Boss Babes, so we can see it and share it either on the stories or maybe even choose it for a feed post. Um, We are in the works with getting some new designs for some new merch. Um, I can't fucking wait for you guys to see them. Um, I think we, we outdid ourselves this time. And as always, if you want to submit an FML story, go ahead and send us a recording and we might pick you to play it on the show. I will see you all next week, and until then, remember to know your fucking worth. Cheers, guys. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. 
we will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.